0: You are Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. It is Friday, July 30th, and I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, here in segment one, I want to cover some more realignment news. We'll sort of do our daily update on that topic. And then in segment two, I do want to actually talk some CCU football. Uh, I started a series before Texas and Oklahoma decided to make everything come to a screeching halt about ranking the most important games on the TCU football schedule from 12 to 1. Number 12 was that opener against Duquesne. Then number 11, I went with KU. So uh, we'll continue that series today as we try to get back into a rhythm of, you know, all right, let's get ready for football season, even in the midst of all the craziness. But news keeps coming out every day. I was really hoping to have Cindy Robinson from uh, Locked On Pac-12 on the show today. But um, she was busy with uh, the NBA draft tonight, so couldn't do couldn't record with me. We're going to try to get her on next week. But I wanted to have a conversation with her. Um, as far as TCU, if they were going to jump ship and try to find another conference elsewhere that is on the Power Five level. The Pac Twelve has really been the only one that's come up so far as a viable option or at least uh, a place that they're gonna explore and, and meet with the Pac twelve management about. And I saw Jeff Swartz who is a former um, lineman at Oregon. He is now a media member, national media guy, used to be used to work for Fox. That doesn't he doesn't work for Fox anymore, but he's still does some uh, serious XM radio shows and um, does a lot of football analysis. And he said in a tweet uh, this morning on the Pac-12, I just spent 10 hours at Pac-12 media days. Not a single person in that conference wants a Big 12 team in the league. So while merging with the Pac-12 might be best, it doesn't work if the conference doesn't want any of the remaining teams. Okay, so for what it's worth, Jeff Schwartz doesn't think that the Pac-12 is a fan of any of the Big 12 teams left on the board. He went on to say that he thinks a Big 12 American Conference merger would be best um, for, I guess, the viability of the league. Now, how much truth there is to that? I don't know. I'm not shocked that at Pac-12 Media Days, as we sit here right now, there's not a lot of people that are excited about the prospect of adding schools because, you know, on one hand, I think you can look at what's going on, look at the landscape. And if you're the Pac-12, you say, okay, well, our biggest problem right now uh, from a competitive standpoint is that we're not really getting a look at the playoffs. And I don't know how much that would change if they add three or four teams from the big 12 conference as it currently stands, But there's more revenue to be gained if you add Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and hopefully TCU, which is really, you know, the end game here. It's why Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. It's why things are dissolving right now. Um, But Jeff Swartz doesn't seem to think the Pac-12 is interested in anyone in the Big 12. Um, So that's where it stands right now, according to him after he spent some time at Pac-12 media days and spoke with the movers and shakers there. But I I also don't know who he spoke to. Uh, Did he talk to coaches? Did he talk to, you know, some players? Or was it actual administrators? Because if he's talking to coaches, that honestly doesn't matter too much. I mean, what the Pac-12 coaches think about expansion doesn't matter a whole lot if the Pac-12 management team decides, hey, we're going to go ahead and do this. Uh, So I, I don't know which... Influencers and movers and shakers, he was having conversations with, but he doesn't seem to think that the Pac-12 is interested in anyone from the Big 12. I, I shared with you yesterday when we were talking with Matt Jennings that Bob Bowlesby sent a letter, a cease and desist letter to ESPN, accusing them of meddling in the Big 12's business. Mainly, once the news came out that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving, he's accusing of the ESPN of having a master plan to put pressure on the American conference to try to poach some more big 12 teams to dissolve the league and uh, avoid ESPN and the two major entities that are moving on Texas and OU from having to pay their buyout to get out of the league early, to get out of the league before the 2025 grant of rights fees or uh, grant of rights contract expires. I don't feel like this is going to be a four year process and I thought it was a a strong moment from Bob Bowlesby, uh, a rare strong moment from Bob Bowlesby. Unfortunately, like a lot of other things in his tenure as big 12 commissioner, it was reactive. It was not proactive. This was again, after the fact, I I think in a situation where he didn't have a lot to lose, what else are you going to do? And I wonder while publicly, uh, you know, Bob is coming at him strong and saying, Hey, this is the deal. And, kind of putting his foot down. I just wonder what's going on privately behind the scenes and not even really with Bob Bowlesby, but the other eight teams, I mean, they're going to stand by their guy right now in a public forum, but are they still having side conversations? Are they still working the phones? Are they still looking at what's the best option for us moving forward? Because that really complicates things for the big 12. If they can get these eight schools to stay together And have a strong United front, then you could argue there's still hope for the league. Now, I don't know if there's hope for the league being on a uh, power five level where you're going to get big payouts every season and you're potentially going to be in the mix for the college football playoff. But if you add a few schools from the American, it's still a very competitive conference. If you add a few schools in the American from the state of Texas, it's a fun and competitive conference. There'd be some regional rivalries there, which is one of the things that would really be lost if you went out west to the Pac 12. So we'll see if these schools back Bob Bolesby like they did yesterday. Because if they do, then maybe there is some hope for this league. I'm just skeptical that they will do that. Before we uh, move on to segment two, I just want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the most delicious protein bar around and i'll tell you today i was kind of lagging and i'd forgotten to bring a built bar and one of my my co-workers he drinks protein shakes every day and he was like hey uh, i'm gonna go down to the gas station get a protein shake do you want one i said sure yeah i'll try it so i didn't have my usual snack and it wasn't great it tasted like a watered down version of chocolate milk i wasn't a fan and in that moment i missed built bar more because i knew that if i had my german chocolate built bar i would uh be filled up I would feel better. I'd have some more energy, and I would know that it's good for me. i know exactly what was in it. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your next order. Again, LOCKEDON. Go check out what flavors they have. Um, lemon, almond, cheesecake, coconut, brownie, chunk. There's a lot of them there. There's a lot of variety. Give it a try today. Again, that's BuiltBar.com, proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, segment two here on Locked on Horned Frogs as we close out the week, and I want to get back to ranking some games on the TCU football schedule. Before we do that, though, just a programming note, I will say uh, NBA drafts going on as I'm recording this, and at the moment, RJ Nimhardt has not been selected. It is early in the second round. Uh, If he did go in tonight's draft or in Thursday's draft, excuse me, it was expected to be in the second round. So if that happens... As I'm recording, I'll pass that along to you. If it doesn't, then I'll try to make a note uh, when I post the show on Friday. But yeah, best of luck to RJ Nembhard. Um He has not been selected yet, but as I'm recording this, it is early in the second round. So still a number of picks to go in Thursday's NBA draft. Okay, so I, I've been ranking the TCU football schedule, the games on the schedule, and the regular season by importance. And for number 12, I said Duquesne, that FCS game to start the season. For number 11, I said Kansas, even though it was a conference game. I feel like the KU program is in such a bad state that that should be one that you win fairly easily. So where do we go next? We, We got derailed by the Big 12 falling apart over the last week, so forgive me. We're not staying consistent with this. But for number 10, so I debated between Cal and SMU because KU was the only, the really, uh, that was the one conference game that I felt like was less important than a non-con game. And I know by from a standings perspective, it's not, but just because of where Kansas is right now. I'm going to go with Cal at 10, and I'll explain why. Um, I feel like this SMU game means more than normal. I know there are TCU fans that just lament the very mention of playing SMU. They think it's a silly exercise. But losing a couple of years ago and then not having the game this year, having to bow out because of COVID issues. I think it's important to not only beat SMU this year, but win convincingly if you can, because there is uh, there's some momentum right now for the Ponies. Like they're doing really well on the recruiting trail. We all know having a chance Biddle, and uh, they this they have got this Dallas thing working. Rashad Samples is a really good recruiter. Sunny Dykes seems to have found his identity, and uh, you know his. His way again there at SMU, feels like he fits in well with that culture, and it looked like Chad Morris was going to turn that thing around. Never really came to fruition, and then he got the Arkansas job. June Jones had like one good season before everything just imploded on him. But Sunny Dykes has been fairly consistent, and they have a a brand new quarterback with Tanner Mordecai coming in from Oklahoma. So I just feel like that's an important game to win. To win convincingly and to show, hey, we're still the team here in the Metroplex. Like it's still us. Okay. SMU, thank you for playing. Nice job the last few years. Getting to a place where you're more competitive. But we're still TCU. We're still in charge. We're still the bully in this rivalry in this series. Cal's going to be a good measuring stick, though. Justin Wilcox always has good defensive teams, and they're sort of in a similar place to TCU in that they have a lot of people returning. The COVID year gave some guys extra eligibility. This is supposed to be the season for Cal to compete a little bit and be there in the mix in the Big 12. So if if, if TCU has an improved offense, I think we're going to see that starting with this game against Cal. Can you move the ball consistently? Can you get big plays? Can you find a way to score against a good defense? The SMU game is going to tell you about your defense if you're TCU, and the Cal game is going to tell you about your offense if you're TCU. But I think it's slightly less important than the SC- SMU game just because of the the regional implications and um, you know the the recruiting footprint that SMU is starting to gain a foothold in. But uh, on the other hand, you could say, and I don't, I mean, it's one weekend of the year. I don't think it's going to leave some huge lasting impression. But this game against Cal for TCU if you're going to attempt to make that move to the pac 12 or open up that line of communication, it would behoove you to, from a competition standpoint, win the game, but also to just show, Hey, we, this is a, t- a team, a fan base that uh, has a great atmosphere. You're going to like come in here. It's hospitable before the game, but during the game, it's a tough place to play. It's a tough place to get a victory. So that'll be another huge aspect, kind of subplot of, you know, having Cal come to Fort Worth and taking on TCU before the teeth of conference play starts. So this is a, a big game for the TCU offense. I just think it's slightly less important than the SMU game because of the momentum SMU has had as of late. It feels like, you know, they're feeling themselves it's, it's time for TCU to make sure, okay, just so you know, we're still the ones to beat. This is still our, our town. It's still our Metroplex. We're in charge here, and this upstart SMU team is not going to completely dethrone us in a couple seasons. So that is number 10, the Cal game. We have uh, nine more to go. Congratulations to all of TCU's other opponents you automatically make it into the top 10. Uh, I'll be back in a minute and we'll quickly wrap things up. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter, but this has been the most listened to month in the short history of Locked on Horn Frogs. I know realignment has a lot to do with that, uh, but I appreciate you guys letting me share the story with you, try to break it down, try to break down the different angles and, Um, decompressing as we go so I'll be back Monday, it'll be another Monday through Friday week thank you, this has been Locked On Horned Rocks for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day